Hey guys, you're listening to the JK Experience, where we train leaders to live a life of exceptional impact, influence, and faith. All right, lady. Well, it is, uh, uh, I'm excited about our conversation today. I had a blast catching up with you uh, when we were just kind of talking about like, what are we going to talk about? Because we have so many avenues. And uh, I loved, uh, one of the things I loved when you were, you were, um, you and I were talking was you were able to make a huge transition. And that is something that I know that I've been challenged with over my years of like, well, I'm so deep rooted in doing X, Y, Z, but I really have a passion and a drive to do ABC. And you recognize, so you were a real estate agent. You were successful as all heck, um, you know, successful in the sense that, I mean, not only did you love what you're doing, but you also financially, you were, you were making really, really good money. And then you decided to chase a dream that, I mean, to be honest, it's not like you went to school for it, but this is something (laughs) that you've been doing. You've been dreaming about this since you were a a child. Tell tell everybody like, first of all, what did you want to do as a child? Because I know the story, but nobody else does. So let's just start there and then we can kind of go from there. Yeah. So it's kind of funny because it, it now is, is a legitimate career and people know what coaching is. But when I was a little girl, I didn't really have a word for it. I just knew that I want, I was always the friend that encouraged people. I remember, I remember in the fifth grade one, I, I must've, someone wanted to do something and I said to her, I was like, just go for it. And a couple of people looked at me and they were like, that's, that's your catchphrase. You say that to everything. And I wasn't even aware of that. Right. That I'm always the one that was like, just go for it. And this is, you know, I'm 10 years old or however old you are in the fifth grade. And I've always known that if I could make money doing that, that's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to do with my life. And I just fiercely believed in, like, I was the person, if you wanted to do something and people were telling me you couldn't do it, I was the person that would be like, wait a minute, somebody's doing it. Why can't you do it? And it was kind of funny because people would often ask me, well, what is it that you want to do? And I remember always thinking this, this, but it wasn't a thing, right? Like, encouraging others. Um, and now it's a thing and I get to do it and I make a fabulous living at it and it's, and I love it. So did you have any, I mean, I know you're a very confident woman, which is really awesome that it just shows because of the way that you, um, you hold yourself and the way that you have excitement, uh, in your voice, but did you have, I mean, when you made that transition, I mean, was it, was there fear at all? I mean, was there anxiety of just like, man, I mean, I'm really good at selling real estate. I've, I've just made a tremendously great name for myself. Uh, this is a new avenue. I'm like, oh, so just give us yes. the mindset. Yes, that actually, um, that actually was really scary because mm-hmm. in the beginning of my real estate career, um, I, I always still knew I wanted, I remember sitting in a Brian Buffini class and thinking, I don't want to do this. I want to do that. But I didn't feel like I knew enough to do that. Mm. And when I got to the point, when you start building a name for yourself, um, the scariest part was actually before I made the transition, wanting to speak that out loud. Because as a child, I was always very confident and especially in that area. But the better I got at real estate, the scarier it was to admit that there was something else that I'd rather be doing. Mm-hmm. And 
the fear, it's interesting. The fear wasn't so much. What if I'm not good at it? What if people don't want to pay me? The fear really was if people knew I want to do something else, they're not going to want to hire me as their real estate agent. And I don't have a business over there yet. Like this is still what's paying. And I was making a lot of money. I was in the top 10% in my marketplace of agents. I was making a lot of money. Um, And so it was scary to walk away from that. And when I did finally make the decision to walk away from that and and part of that decision that I was like, well, it doesn't matter if they don't want to hire me, hire me as their real estate agent, because I'm, I'm leaving that. Yeah. Then is when the fear set in and it occurred to me, but what if people don't want to pay me to do this? Which at first they yeah, didn't. Right. right? This thing that so, I absolutely love. I was like, yeah, because at first it, that kind of wasn't, but then that fear set in is what if this isn't viable? What if I can't do this? What if nobody wants um, you know, everybody's so used to getting free advice from me and what if they keep wanting that? And, um, well, and especially writing the book, which yeah. really was, um, was inspired by a lot of new agents. Cause I was, I was teaching the licensing course. Um, and of course new agents is not who hires coaches, right? right? It's people who have, I mean, sometimes new, I mean, I have been hired by new agents, but it's rare. It's usually somebody who's at the top of their game and they hit a ceiling. They've hit a point in their career where they know they can do better, but they need, they need some push or some, some help navigating, right? They, they know that there's something else in them and they need someone to help bring it out. Um, Plus a lot of times when people are starting out, they don't necessarily have the money to invest in a coach or you, you know, they're not, they're not investing in their business. Some are, some are, but most aren't. So that was the other fear or concern is that a lot of the people that I had surrounded myself with were the newer um, agents. And so then I, you know, had the fear that, well, more experienced agents would think that I'm, I, you know, I don't know how to help that, you know, so there's just fear, 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 fear. So yes, it was very scary. We're going to get into the book here shortly because it's an awesome book. And I know that you've had tremendous success with it and especially helping agents as they are getting in and tackling and, and, and becoming better into their in, their own industry. But I'm just curious, I just want to go back one more time to this whole pivotal moment in your life. Was there a defining moment? Was there just a, like an aha moment where you said, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm making this commitment. Maybe not when you're just like, okay, it's, I'm just cutting the cord right now, but, or, but something in your life where you just said, no, I'm chasing this dream. Like I am, I'm tired of not living to my true potential. Um, you know, there's, that's, a, that's an interesting question. That's really hard to speak to publicly. Hmm. Um, because there were some challenges going on in my family dynamics, yeah. Yeah. um, that really opened my eyes to how much I was failing as a mom. Um, and some, some challenges that I was, that I was facing in my household, Mm -hmm. um, that really made me examine what I was doing with my life and, and how much time I was spending in my real estate profession, which is, it's interesting because, um, people who, who I coach, a lot of them know, I get really passionate when we talk about the time management piece Mm -hmm. of their business. 
And it's funny because it's not a very sexy topic, right? Nobody's like, let's do, let's do a podcast on time management. Um, <laughs> Even though not. it is a major issue with not just real estate agents, but just people in general that are, that are high, high achievers, right? Time yeah, management is a, always a massive, massive issue. It's a massive issue. It causes divorces. It causes problems yeah. in households. All the things that people really care about. If you don't have this under control, especially if you're the type of person that loves to be successful and chase something because your career can kind of become like addictive and like a drug. So it's not just that you're not time management also is a lot of boundaries, right? Cause the, you, you know, and while selling real estate was never my passion, I've always been in love with working. I mean, ever since I had my first job, if they wanted me to come in on the weekend or stay late, yes, yes. It's like I more hours, more, more, like I loved it. Mm -hmm. I love, um, and even to this day, you know, when I, I remember when I first sat down with a financial advisor and they're like, okay, well, how early do you want to retire? And I'm thinking retire. Yeah. No, I want to do something that I love so that I never want to you know, my dad is 82 and he still runs his law firm. He's talking about retirement, but he's 80. His best friend is like in her nineties and still works mm -hmm. and loves it. So I, um, yeah, so it's like, that's a concept to me that I'm like, wait, why would I ever be doing something that I don't like? Why would I, why would I ever want to stop working? What would I do with my time? Right. What would I? Yeah. Well, cause you are living your passion, right? Cause that's usually yeah. what people, they, they want to get into retirement for that hobby or that thing that they're passionate about. You've made this decision to do this now, which I think once again, yeah. I think it's just amazing. And what a great example for so many of us, uh, not just women out there. I think it's powerful for women, but it's also just amazing for men to see this as well too, because we all have dreams. We all have things that we're passionate about. Yeah. And so many of us are, are not willing to take the leap and you have done that. Right. And you're serving at such a greater realm in your life, which is amazing because of the clients and the people that you're impacting. Yeah. So, um, so I, I, I love it. And, and I'm glad that, and thank you for being a little bit vulnerable. The fact that it was a personal thing that happened that you had to identify in your life that, wow, I gotta, I gotta make a change here. Yeah. Yeah. So. I was like, it was a deal. Like I was no longer going to be living something that wasn't my passion. I wasn't thrilled with the examples that I was setting. I mean, she knew what I'd rather do for a living. Right. It was like, um, but I wasn't going to set that example and I wasn't going to be changing something that was taking me away from my family to a degree that wasn't appropriate. And, um, and at that time it didn't occur to me how, how many people struggle in that area and how many people I would help with the time management piece and get, and people literally, I mean, I have clients that cry telling me how it's changed their life to be able to set boundaries and whether it's just setting boundaries and not talking to clients after a certain hour or being confident enough to turn your phone off for the hour that you're having dinner with your family yeah. or hiring an assistant. I mean, there's, there's a million different things um, that solve this problem and it's life-changing. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you gave us some practical uh, some practical application pieces in there because that's what people are looking for. So let's yeah. get into speaking of practical, let's get into the book. So it's called get off the cash flow roller coaster. Uh, yeah. I know that, uh, you are talking to real estate agents specifically. However, it's also, I mean, it's just professionals in a, in a sense that you're talking to, uh, yeah. you come from a background of real estate, but I love your chapters in here. Um, I, you know, once again, we, we kind of talked about this just real briefly, but I think you're just so creative 
in your um, in your chapter titles here, but smart goals are stupid. Uh, that sounds amazingly intriguing, right? Uh, your best defense when danger strikes. Uh, what do you do when the yogurt hits the fan? I'm totally going to read that one as well too. But um, give us some takeaways. Give us some things that you feel like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm an agent right now. I really do want to level up. I want that next level of success, whether I'm a new agent or whether just like a lot of the clients that you deal with right now that are, that are successful, but they're looking for that next level to break through that ceiling. Talk to us about maybe uh, two or three things that are, that you consistently see that are issues with agents and what the book addresses and maybe what you address as a coach to help them tackle those situations. So the number one, and this is not just real estate agents, this is entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, which I didn't, I didn't realize how universal some of these things were till I wrote the book and a non-real estate agent would read it and go, you know, this applies to my business. Mm. So the, the, the things that I really saw, the reason that I titled it, get off the cash flow roller coaster is because I feel like that is the number one challenge I see people have where they don't have consistency. It's either feast or famine. And there's a myth that says that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. Well, and even worse, the same myth says, and oh, ain't it awful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As as if there's nothing they can do anything. And there's plenty of evidence because the overwhelming majority of real estate agents and entrepreneurs, loan originator, whatever it is, the overwhelming majority are having this experience, this feature, this kind of roller coaster ride. Um, And so there's evidence to support the myth. The reason I know it's a myth is because once I figured out the solution, I didn't have peaks and valleys. I had little hills and my business would scale and it would, there'd be a little roll, but it would go up and up. Um, once I like unlocked the solution, I never had a zero month. Most real estate agents, well, first of all, a lot of real estate agents will have a goal of, you know, something when they're brand new, like my first year, I want to sell 10 houses, which my first thought is always like, okay, which two months is your goal zero? <laughs> oh, that's a good breakdown. Yep. Well, it's funny because so many of them were like, well, I heard that most agents only do six to eight in their first year. So I thought I was setting a, a good goal. Yeah. You know, there's a difference. If by the end of the year, you end up having sold 10, you're, that's awesome. You yeah. did great. Yeah. But to have a goal, so, so to have a goal where you've got a couple of months, you have to have a couple months where you sell zero. And probably if you sell 10, you sold like three and two and one and four. And so you ended up with six months that you sold none. Yeah. Right. Like that's not okay. So, so people don't even, they kind of don't do the math with their goals. They don't break it. Like most people don't realize that until I ask them that question. They're like, what do you mean? I thought that was good. And I'm like, well, I mean, there are 12 months and you just told me you want to do 10 houses. Like this is not, that's what I mean. That's what I'm asking you. Yeah. Um, I love that breakdown. That's really good because it is so easy to just say, well, I want to do this. Obviously, if you look at industry standards, if you look what an average agent is doing in production every year, you're like, oh, I just, I'm good. I think that would be a really good year. And then when you go and actually give it into some reality check, you're like, ah, no, no, that's not good at all. And and to be fair, if that's what you did in your first year, that's, that's, that is great. That is great. 
but moving forward that you know, that shouldn't it's not okay for a goal because you can never have and even to the point if I'm working with a brand new agent um which isn't as common but you know, I always will be like 12 is your, if your goal is less than 12, we can't work together because I don't like to coach you into zero. I know I'm going to do that at least twice. Like that's not fun for me. Right. Um, but so let's say their goal was, well, usually they end up with a goal of 24 because it's like, why not just shoot for two? Mm-hmm. But if they were to hit, uh, like their goal was 12 and they have a month where they've got three. So they're kind of ahead, you know, it's April and they've already got six. Like they've, there's 10 months left and we're like, we need to increase that you're going to sell 10 more houses this year. Cause there's, there's, or I guess in April, there's eight months left, but if there's more months left than houses in their goal, I'm like, we need to, cause again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to coach you when I know there's a month that the goal is zero, Right. not going to happen. Um, so yeah, people not thinking through and the real solution though, to the, the roller coaster what I see people doing, they go after, they, they prospect at a level that's completely unsustainable. I need a closing. I need a closing now. I'm going to do two open houses, both days, every single weekend. I'm going to call everyone I know. I'm going to do all my mailers. I'm going to, and there's all this activity, activity, activity. Well, lo and behold, it, they stir up some business. Now, They've got three people that are what, so now they're running around serving those three clients, right? Because maybe they're all buyers. Then they get a phone call if someone wants to list their house. And so first of all, they convince themselves that they're too busy to do all that prospecting. But then secondly, I don't need to because my phone just rings. Well, your phone doesn't just ring. Those people are calling you back from what you've been doing over the past 90 days. So you get another 90 days down the future and it just kind of dries up and they're like, Oh crap, what am I going to take them a little while to figure out? I know what I'll do. I'm going to start all that two open houses every weekend. So they don't realize that that prospecting activity is directly what's causing the business to come. Mm -hmm. And if they would just prospect at a sustainable level, they'd have a sustainable amount of business and then they can wrap and, and if their threshold, say at three houses is when they don't really have time to prospect, then there are three clients, then at three clients is when you need to engage the transaction coordinator, a showing assistant, yeah. or if you're in a different industry, whatever that support person is. And it doesn't have to be a full-time person. It doesn't have to even be a permanent person. It can be whatever, but the the fear, they say, well, whenever I have this much business, it always goes away. And it goes away because your activity goes away. Mm-hmm. So once they understand that you have two pieces of your bit, you know, your business is like legs that need to be moving. And so right foot, left, like you don't run a marathon, right foot, right foot, right foot, right foot, left foot, left foot, left foot, left foot, right? You go right, left, right, left. So your right foot is the prospecting the left foot is serving the clients prospect clients pro- but if you what they're doing literally is right foot right foot right foot like until their right foot can't handle anything and then left foot left foot left foot left foot left foot and and, and their business is literally just hobbling down it's literally going in circles by the way yeah we're not even making any traction if you're doing that <laughs> unless not, you're just dragging that thing down the road so that's right and that's how but that's also why they never scale, you know, they'll say, okay, yeah. I did 20 houses last year, but I did 18 the year before and 24 the year before that they kind of, 
they're not growing. They're, they're you're like you said, going in circles. Yeah. And the, you know, if they sold 24 houses, it wasn't a nice two, 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 one, three, two, two. It was six, nothing, 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 seven, nothing, yeah. nine. Like it was, um, and, and because so many agents do it, they have this evidence, but the proof that that's not just the way it is, is that you look at the top agents in every single market and in every single industry, and they're not having that experience. Mm -hmm. They're scaling their business. Also, they all have a prospecting discipline. Yeah. I, you know, I'm really glad you went into that because, uh, once again, it's really good. One of the things that you do really well is just call it like it is you're black and white and, <laughs> and you're, you're, you're going to no holds barred. I think you're not going to sugarcoat it. And I think that people need to hear that, hear this because, um, this is a business. We, we, we get, we get wrapped up too much in the fact that they're entrepreneurs and, and entrepreneurs is such a, um, it's such an overused word right now. Yeah. Nobody does. They don't even know what it means to be an entrepreneur. So I like to talk, listen, I, the agents that we have, the agents that we get to serve, you, you own a business. Yeah. You got to run it like a business. You have to have some consistency in that, right? Um, mm -hmm. I'd like to know, you know, one of the things that you and I talked about before, I love your perspective on what um, leads are. Uh, because especially in our industry, um, we talk about leads all the time. Mm -hmm. We talk about good leads. We talk about bad leads. And, oh, there's so many bad leads, right? I'd love to know, just give us the black and white, Amy, run it down, like give okay. us a square of what you've, you're feeling on leads are and the attitude that these business owners, these agents need to have when it comes to leads. Yes. Thank you. That's another one of my favorite topics. I feel like every topic, I'm like, this one's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I do love this topic. And again, you're right. I have a very direct, um, and I think I titled the chapter, it's not them, it's you. Yes. So that's the harsh reality is it's not them, it's you. But the flip side to that, the good news is there's not as many bad leads as you think there are. Mm. There's just not. Most of the leads are most people who go out on these activities where they engage a real estate agent are actually going to buy a house or sell one at yeah. some point within the next 18 months. So to me, that's an excellent lead. Someone who is actually qualified and ends up buying. So the, the problem, what people think they're looking for when, and I've had people, where do you get the good leads online? Is it this website or that website or this service? And they don't realize, like they think there's different, I'm like, there's not only is it not different quality leads, on the other side, somebody who's looking for a house it's the same guy going to all those different websites yes. looking, right? Because on the other side, you're just like, where do I find all the good houses? And yeah. sometimes they don't realize it's the same houses being pushed out to all. So it's the same lead being dumped into your database, whether they came from this website or that website. So yeah. stop looking for the good leads. They're good leads. Um, change your script and your attitude. So what people think they're a good lead is, it's somebody who calls and says, hey, so I want to buy a house. Um, I'm pre-approved. You're an agent, right? Um, can, can you be my agent? And that call doesn't come in wherever you're getting the leads from, mm -hmm. because that's not what the, the person on the other end says. So what a good lead is, in my opinion, is like I just was describing before, it's either somebody who's qualified and, and really is going to purchase a house within the next 18 months-ish, 
preferably sooner. Um, Or somebody with a home who's going to list, usually sellers online are a little bit close, you know, they're three to six months out, but, but whatever the timeframe, if at some point in the near future, there's a sign in that yard, that was an excellent lead. You just didn't have the right conversation with them. So with sellers, it's much easier to track. Like you went on an appointment at that address, or you had a conversation with that owner and you drove past it three months later and there's a sign in the yard. Yeah. That was an excellent lead. That was not a crappy lead. You didn't know how to have the conversation. So in my book, I do talk about some of the conversations to be having. Um, The other part of it is the follow-up because very few of those people on that, on that initial conversation are even at a point where they're ready, right? They might be really early on in the process. And I think agents don't know how to handle that. And they don't realize how many people they speak to that are three months out. And if they don't have anything in the pipeline, while they're in, they're thinking they need something sooner than that, and maybe they do, when you get three months down the road and look back, how many people three months ago were three months out? If you were still in contact with them, what would your business look like? So start, you know, it's kind of the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is right now. So the best time to follow up with your leads was over the past 18 months. Second best time is right now. Yeah. It's amazing how the 90, how fast those 90 days goes, those 90 days go by, by the way, like before, you know, and especially as you're just saying, as soon as you have it on that cycle, that 90 days is it's like the next day is the 90th day for somebody. The next day is the 90th day for that person. Right. And you just build this cycle in your business. And you, then you wonder like, wow, I've got like a really great funnel. I've got a really great funnel of people that are constantly raising their hand now. Well, it's because you've been doing the work for so long. Yeah. And so there's two things with leads of how to convert them. So first of all, people are, they're concerned with lead gen and it should be lead conversion, Mm. right? How do I convert them from a lead to a client? Yeah. Which I also have a small issue with that question because you don't convert them from a lead to a client. A lead is somebody, there's somebody looking for what you need, right? You don't know them. They don't know you. This is your first conversation. You really don't convert them to a client. You convert them to a prospect and then a warm prospect and then a client mm-hmm. and eventually a raving fan. And I think that when you clarify that, because I know that that detail seems like it's semantics, but what be- begins to develop is a sales cycle where you're like, oh, I'm trying to convert this person to a, pro- a prospect is someone who needs what I offer. They know my name. I know their name. Mm-hmm. If I call them, they rec- they're like, oh, that's Amy call, right? That's a, a prospect. That's a, a little bit more of a relationship than a lead. So prospect, you know, and, and a warm prospect is somebody you've actually met. You've had a some kind of in-person conversation, or maybe it was over Zoom, you know, so a lead turns into a prospect if it's a seller when you have that listing presentation you go to their and even if they're not ready till later and so in order to get in front of them and make them a prospect now why don't I just come take a look at the house give you some ideas on you know what sort of things you could do you know what what projects would get the most bang for the buck you know just a quick consultation once you've met them they're a prospect and the odds that they can become a client is much right they're one step closer so I think that people don't realize that. Um, I remember one of the funniest things that someone, this is when I was doing like group classes, um, that someone 
one of the agents said, and he was a relatively newer agent and was really frustrated because he had only worked with referral. He had never gotten, you know, like an online lead or that sort of thing to convert. Um, and he was the funniest thing. He's like, oh, like what you taught me, because I just need to get in front of them. Because what he was trying to do and what a lot of agents try to do is if they would call, if they were friendly and willing to stay, he thought, if I can get them to stay on the phone long enough and really provide my value, then they're going to want to work with me. Hmm. And, and he literally thought the goal of that phone call was that by the end, they're going to say, yeah, I want you to be my agent. So he talked to them about everything you would go over in a consultation, why they need to get a lender. He'd introduce them to all the things. Let me get you set up on a search. Like all, he'd have this whole conversation. He's like, wow, I realized, did you know how much time it saves? I just realized like, great, I'd love to help you, you know, tell me like he'd ask him a couple questions, set an appointment. He's like, and then I'd have that conversation in person, but then they all wanted to be my client. <laughs> yeah. Then he transitions them into that really great warm lead for them. Right. Yeah. 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 And then he'd say once I, he's like, he, would, he goes, what I learned is once I get in front of someone, then I got them. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, but sometimes, but here's the thing is we don't know what we don't know. I mean, if you remember going into getting into the industry, I, I remember going in the industry, like there were so many things I had no clue about. That's what, one of the things I love about the real estate industry is you, you constantly can be learning. The industry is constantly changing and you have no excuse to be sitting on the sidelines here. There's so many opportunities out there. That's why I love the aspect of the coaching part of it um, because you can go like if is you can be as good as you want to be because yeah, there are yeah. people like you that are out there that are helping agents do that on a consistent basis, on an everyday basis. So uh, I, I love it. I love the fact that you chased your dream. I love the fact that you're living your purpose, which is awesome. Um, and, uh, I, and I, first, and I love you wrote a book because I know how hard that is. That is like the most painful thing you can do next to probably giving birth, I think, even though I've never done it, but that would be like both. giving birth, right? Yes, exactly. So which would you rather do more, write a book or give birth? Or which would you not want to do again, I guess, is write a book or I, give birth. Yeah, that's a good question. Because <laughs> you know what? I'd have had 10 kids if I could have found a man that wanted that same thing. Uh -huh. Um, So I'd have done, and I plan to write 10 more books. I'm like, I'd them both do you get, I think you, I'm now you at an age you love them all where, right yeah I think I'm at an age where the um but having more children is probably not an option for me but there was a point when I'm like I would have had 10 uh, How about 12 I don't know I'll be the old lady that lives in a shoe yeah, so many I love children. It. oh I no Quinn thought I was crazy literally when I had my baby we're in the hospital like I think they were washing up like they hadn't even I don't think you know, and they put your baby on your chest, you know, their hand, I think they're still like, um, washing up and cleaning and doing all that stuff. And I look at Quinn, I'm like, let's do that again. And he's like, is, is that the drug shocking or we didn't give her any drugs. Right. Cause I did a natural, he's like, is yeah. that, is there some kind of natural drug that happened? They're like, no. That's awesome. Well, you do have a bunch of Spartan uh, races behind you and marathons behind you as well, too. You can't, everybody that's watching us on YouTube here, you know that she's got her medals up there, which I think is phenomenal, by I've the way. I've not done a sport. Thank you. I've not done, those are mostly races and then some oh. are Taekwondo. Okay. See, there you go. Even better, was, to be honest with you. Yeah. There's a couple of championships there of uh, the Taekwondo. And you'll see my black belt is. Oh yeah, there it is. That's awesome. We were top. talking about the black belt too. So mm -hmm. gotta have gotta have that on my my wall of pride. It's always right behind me. Yeah. 
I'm Love ever it. feeling discouraged. I can look at that and go, I've done hard things. It's, it is so good to have that. I'm so glad you brought that up there because, you know, especially for high achievers, people that want to go and accomplish something. I mean, it's good to have those things that you remind yourself that you did do that, right? That you did mm-hmm. accomplish it. Because I know that a lot of times what ends up happening um, for us is that we accomplish it we put it in the closet and then we go tackle something else, right? And then we forget about all of these things that we've done that have been amazing, amazing things that we've, you know, that we've been able to accomplish and th- goals that we've been able to achieve. So I love the fact that you keep that up as a, as a daily reminder. So that's really powerful. Um, where can we get the book? Because I know everybody's asked, is going to be asking about it. You know, they can go, they can just go to get off the cash flow rollercoaster.com to get okay. the book. It's also on Amazon. Um, and soon to be on audible. Excellent. Uh, did you record it yourself? Are you doing the voiceover? I am currently in the process of recording it. Good for you. Which is another hard thing as it turns out. Isn't it crazy? That is so much harder than I had anticipated, but I, I wanted it to be people who read this. They tell me they can hear my voice in it. Yeah. That is awesome to be able to do that, by the way, because it is super hard to find your voice and write that out. So people do say, Hey, yeah, I can hear you saying this. Yeah. Well, I had a coach that helped me find my voice, gave me some really good pointers on how to, to do that, which also makes it so many people have said that to me that when someone tells me they've read the book and they're like, did you write it? Or do you have a ghostwriter? I'm like, Oh yeah, you didn't read it. Yeah, they're like, why does that? Like, as good as they are, they cannot find. They 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 miss a lot of. Yeah, uh, when somebody asks, which doesn't happen a lot anymore. But when I first wrote it, a lot of people were asking, "Did you actually write this, or did you have someone write it?" Um, and I'd be like, "You didn't read it." And they're like, "How do you know?" I'm like, "That question tells me." And they're like, "How does that?" I'm like, "Read it, and you'll know why." And very (laughs) few people then have read it and come back and be like, "Oh yeah, I can hear your voice." Yeah, no, you wrote this. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And the coaching company you're with is Southwestern Coaching. Yep. Where do people go and find you there, by the way? Southwesterncoaching.com. Go under the coaching tab. You'll find me, Amy Donaldson. Okay. And then where else? Are you on social media? Uh, Can people follow you when they want to get some inspiration from you? I am on, I'm most active on Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, I would say the, probably the most active is Facebook. Yep. Okay. Go ahead and follow me, friend me, follow me on LinkedIn. Um, I do, I've started doing these live videos, the two minute or what yeah. is it? My two cents in under two minutes. Nice. Good job. That's awesome. That is hard to do it under two minutes, by the way, because two minutes goes by like that. I mean, it is crazy how much. They're, they're not all under two minutes. It's a yeah. somewhat misleading, <laughs> it's a misleading title. Yeah. Uh, that's great. It's, all right. So good. I was going to say, it's not uncommon for me saying there was my two cents in under two minutes. And I look at the three minutes and 40 seconds. I'm like, well, waiting for someone to call me out on that in the comments. And so far, no one has. Most of them are under two minutes, but the ones that aren't, I just leave it alone. (laughs) I'm like, is someone ever going to say anything about this? (laughs) I will do that. I will be your first fan that'll do that for Tia. That'll that'll call me out when, (laughs) I mean, you're welcome to, because it is. um, Yeah. Awesome. So as we kind of wrap this up, um, I'd like for you to just to talk to people uh, in this audience that, so these are business people, these are entrepreneurs, these are people that are, they're thriving to get to that next level, the next ceiling. 
I'd love for you to talk to them about why a coach is so important. Why should they consider doing that? Um, maybe they just, you know, I can't justify the price. Uh, maybe I don't have the time. Uh, you know, I don't know the right coach, all that stuff. Those are all of these negative things. These are all of the, the barriers that people are, um, have in their life. Tell them why they just need to freaking do it. If they really, truly need to, if they want to break through that level. Yeah. I mean, it's something that I believe in so fever. So that even a lot of those, a lot of those aren't actually objections or excuses, mm-hmm. right? Um, because the, re- the, the reality is if you want to be the best that you can be, you're going to invest in yourself. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite memes is the one that, that says, you know, $100 um, for healthy groceries, too expensive, $100 for a night out, totally fine. Yeah. All of these things, you know, I, I know that when I wanted to write my book and I wanted it to be excellent, I hired a coach to help me with that. Um, when I was in real estate, I hired a coach that helped me get to where I wanted to be right now. I actually have two coaches that help me in my coaching business. Um, you know, so if you want to be the best that you can be, and you have that hunger, it's a total no brainer. First of all, the math makes sense. The money comes back to you tenfold. Most people, when they get into coaching, um, if you, if you really want it badly enough, you'll double your income. Like there's, uh, it, it's so, it, it's so obvious. And, you know, I work with a lot of people too, who are making a lot of my clients come in there. I don't need to make any more money. Right. I make plenty of money. I know what I'm doing. I've been, but I'm kind of a mess. I don't, you know, I'm all over the place. I don't have systems. I'm not very organized. Just lowering the stress level and getting organized without putting another dollar in your pocket is worth the expense. Um, also then that tends to have a byproduct of increasing your income, even though they said, I don't need to, right. There's kind of a, um, and so, yeah, it's like, if you have a hunger and you, if there's any part of your life where you're like, why is, I mean, there's relationship coaches, there's business coaches, there's health coaches, there's fitness coaches. Um, I've hired most of them and I've never regretted. I've never regretted a dollar I spent on myself. And I look at these people who have, these fancy degrees or who have spent, I know people that have gone hundreds of thousands of dollars into debt for a degree that they never use. So to me, I'm like, how does that make sense? And I'm not against higher education, especially if you're going to use it, right? If you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, a specialty field or something. But I know people who get degrees in liberal arts and it's like, what job are you going to get that requires that degree? you can love liberal arts and you're like, well, I'm not, you know, I'm going to be a socialite and my husband works. And so this makes me more interesting at cocktail parties. Fine. I'm not saying it's a waste of money, but I'm saying <laughs> coaching is a lot less expensive than those degrees. And it's actually useful. I've never, I've never heard anyone say they wish they hadn't invested in themselves. I have heard people get a coaching program where they're not matched with the right person, or that's not a yeah. good experience. But even I had that experience too, but even that is like drop, like, that's like, who cares? Then go switch and get a different one. Right. Like that's to me, that, that is not, that's like saying, well, you should never get married because you might date a guy who, you know, you might go on a date with someone that's, (laughs) that you don't like. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, don't go from a second date, go somewhere like, yeah, I don't know. Like, so all of those, those objections are kind of weird to me. There's so many, it, it, to me, it just, it makes so much sense. And I can see it in the results that, um, that my clients get. Yeah. 
Love it, lady. Well, we know that you are a great coach. We can hear that in your uh, in your story that you, you shared with us today. Uh, absolutely love the book. Get off the cash flow roller coaster. Uh, you guys can go that to uh, find that at uh, get off the roll, cash flow roller coaster dot com. They can remember the title. Yes. Well, we'll have it in the notes, so they'll see that, and we'll link it up as well too. And then, of course, obviously, you can find Amy uh, on social media. She loves Facebook and uh, LinkedIn. And then, of course, you can go track her down at southwesterncoaching.com as well. Yeah, track me down. Yeah. All right, everybody. Hey, you guys know, you know the price of admission and this is to share this with somebody else and uh, to, to share the, the messaging of, of Amy here. Um, uh, we just absolutely love having business owners on this. We have love that people are that, uh, that find their passion, they're pursuing it. Uh, and uh, what a better, no, no better example than what Amy has done in her life. So uh, once again, uh, we appreciate you. Thanks so much for listening. And you know, you got to share this, you know, there's somebody out there that uh, was, would benefit from this. So pass this along. 